tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Ain't no way For me to love we were so close. If you want, <laughs> Jesus, why? <laughs> what is up, guys? Welcome to Scandal After Bus TV After Show. This is Season 5, Episode 6, Get Out of Jail Free. As always, your gladiators are here, starting with me, Emil Ennis Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Cornelia. Hi there, gladiators. I'm Sophia Stanley. All right, guys. And Bam will return soon. Um... I was expecting a wedding this week. I was not. Listen, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I, I, in my mind, it was going to happen. So I wore white because I was expecting a wedding. Oh, well, then I should have worn red. Oh, my God. I can't. Now and I I'll wear black. I would have worn all black, but it's cool. <laughs> Let's go ahead and dive into this episode. Impeachment week is what Sally Langston started the episode with. Um, we can cut the ain't no way because the wedding ain't even happened. <laughs> Um, so, impeachment week, uh, we have Sally Langston on the Liberty Report giving us all her goodness as always. Um, and people have to go on trial and testify in front of the Senate. And the first person they bring is Melly. Melly goes on trial and they're prepping her before. Um, they say, don't lie. She says she has a list of questions that she briefs with the Senate before and her lawyer's telling her, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you need to make sure that you're prepared. And they said, if you don't want to answer, just say, I don't recall. I don't want to do that because career suicide, political suicide. She gets on the stand. Well, also, let, let's back up real quick. She then gave herself away by saying, you are only going to ask the questions that you have already given to me. Oh, yeah. So they were preset questions. The minute as a lawyer you do that, you played your hand. Because she's assuming that they are allies and not adversaries. And if their end goal is to take down the president, obviously they're willing to do anything in order to do so. And by her saying that, that kind of, if they didn't already have dirt, would then make them continue to find dirt. Which, and and we're going to touch on this more, I'm sure. But I just feel like she went to this whole thing really naive, thinking that, like you said, they were her allies, Mm -hmm. as if she had no dirt or anything that could it just it make no sense. Anyway, she gets on there. They ask, um, "Did you know that your husband was sleeping with Olivia?" And she says no. And then they immediately pull out an affidavit from Janine Locke that has a statement on there. And that statement, they said, "Please read the highlighted statement." And it's a statement from Janine saying, "I was about to go on TV and say that I've never slept with the president." And then she goes on, and they're like, "Okay, keep reading." And they find out that Melly offered her two million dollars because she said her career was over anyway. I, I just don't understand how Melly didn't think that something like this would come out. Well, my question is, in the statement, the statement didn't say Olivia Pope, did it? No. No, but... 
See, my if she lied about that though, then that just shows that she could lie about this. See, my spitefulness when when they read when she read the statement and it did not list Olivia Pope. In my mind, if you were a spiteful bitch like Melly, sometimes is and sometimes isn't, but sometimes is. Say, yeah, I knew about an affair. You asked me about Olivia Pope. You didn't ask me about nobody else. You didn't say, did you know about affairs? You said Olivia Pope, and I told you no. This statement does not say Olivia Pope. That's true. And since Melly is a lawyer, she should have been quick on her feet with that, and she wasn't. I and don't again, know. She's always in her feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get out of your feelings. <laughs> Get out of your feelings. Okay. After Melly, OPA. And we're going to go back to Melly. Mm-hmm. But with OPA, I really like this, especially, I think, because Abby was finally back in OPA. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see the original gladiators there together. As well as the new addition, Marcus, who is settling in very nicely. Um, OPA is being briefed by Olivia, and she's pretty much guiding them with ways to go around lying, but still, still telling the truth. But kind and, of, and and again, maybe it's because I spent way too much money on law school. It's not lying. It is literally answering the question that is asked, and that's why it's not lying. That's why you're not perjuring yourself. Similar to what Cornelia said when they asked a question. Did you know about Olivia's affair? That's one question. Did you say that at this point in time, the president wasn't sleeping with Janine? Those are two completely different questions. And you can answer them differently because they're not the same question. So specifically what Olivia was doing was Olivia was actually giving them very sound legal advice for why in fact or how in fact they could actually not perjure themselves. So that's why she said, be very clear and listen to the question. And in essence, what she's saying is... Specifically, um, uh, uh, senators, despite the fact that many senators have been to law school, they're lawmakers, which is different than trial attorneys, which is also different than deal makers, which is different than, than being in an adversarial role. So therefore, they actually may not ask specific questions because they don't actually know the answers yet. They're still fishing. You can't fish because if you're asking me a general question, I can give you a general response. Makes sense. Um, the one thing I was confused about was more it was more confusion from Liv's side and it was when uh they were talking about who actually released the video. Brilliant. And they said Harrison. Or it wasn't it wasn't they. Marcus said Harrison. But at first they all said no. Yeah. So they were like, did you release it? No. Huck said no. Abby said no. Quinn said no. And then I thought it was brilliant how basically then all of a sudden it was like, oh, OPA sitting there deliberating. And it's like, of course we know who did it. Harrison. But I even mean like when they were in in the room prepping before mm-hmm. and they were discussing it, I, I didn't understand Liv's hesitation. She said like it wasn't right. I, Her righteous indignation is getting old. Like because at the end of the day, no, 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 it, no it, because because it's beyond old. Because also too, and this is, and I wish I could remember the exact quote from. Oh, it's probably it's probably like very early season one. I, I'm, okay, I'm mixing things up, and gladiators are going to come after me. But do you remember when uh, the episode where there's no crying in the bathroom when Quinn is crying and, and um, Hawk basically was like, gladiators don't cry? Mm-hmm. Basically, that OPA, remember the whole premise is they work outside of the law. Do you know what I'm trying to say? They literally can do things other people can't because they actually are not, in fact, a law firm. They're gladiators. And gladiators, because they're warriors, can do anything that they need to do in order to protect justice or to protect what is right. So I'm kind of confused how it is that Olivia thinks possibly pointing to 
not only the one person, but someone who actually did, in fact, having something to do with it. It, it would be different if they were saying Stephen did it. Exactly. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But they're not saying it, even if Stephen was dead. They're actually saying that Harrison did it, and Harrison did, in fact, do it. So I'm sorry. Maybe I'm cold and callous. I actually don't care that he's dead if, in fact, he was the one who did it, and it potentially would help us all. That's the first part. The second part is Harrison being a gladiator, that's exactly what Harrison would have advised to do. And if this wasn't Olivia, i.e. Olivia wasn't the client, Olivia would have advised for them to pin it on Harrison if it wasn't within her inner circle. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So there's a certain aspect of her logic that she needs to stop doing that. Like, she needs to stop whenever... Whenever it's not convenient for her. Does that make sense? Because my thing is, you were going to get up there and lie. Mm -hmm. No, think about it. She said, she said to Abby, I'm going to get up there and lie. So you're not going to give your gladiators a way out of a mess that you 100% created. That's unfair. Yeah, she wasn't saying that when she was having her killing people. So, Olivia, stop it. Girl, no. Seriously. Goodbye. With OPA, after, after they went on the stand, that was a wonderful scene. Um, in the office, we had this juxtaposition where um, Olivia got a call from Rowan. And he says, Liv, I need your help because, and we're going to jump back, we see that Elise has actually been visiting Rowan in jail, having conversations with him, and then uh, she is planning to help him get out, so he thinks. He goes to the laundry room, actually gets attacked from behind, and then he ends up killing that guard. Um jump forward and they call Jake who is the only other person who visits and then the guard tells or the security person who's checking him in tells him after he's in the hospital that this other woman Elise has also been visiting Rowan which I thought was a little weird that mm -hmm. she would reveal that information because mm -hmm. just because somebody else has been visiting doesn't mean that you mm -hmm. know each other so that was a little awkward or odd I should say um, but then Rowan calls Liv and says I've been hurt blah 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 trying to talk fast and Liv hangs up on his face Later on in the episode, Quinn gets a call from Rowan while she's talking to Huck. Quinn goes down to the hospital bed and says, I am not going to help you. <laughs> sir, no, I am not going to help you, sir. Yes, like... Well, uh, and we... When we were watching it and it came on, we were like, well, why'd you go? Stay at home quick. Hang up the phone. Or at least, when you're going to see somebody like Rowan, it's like the buddy system. You need to tell somebody you're going to Amen. see Rowan. Emil, if I was going to see Rowan, yo, I'm going to see Rowan. Right? I would tell you so you could know where I was, and I would have you waiting in the car. I wouldn't just go alone. But Quinn, you know... When, she, okay, the only... Uh, Lindsay is Lindsay. Unless I missed a, a, a point I need to watch again, is that when... We found out about the plan of what Rowan could do, and then Quinn talked to Olivia. No, no. it was beforehand. So, it's, so mm -hmm. it just makes no sense. <laughs> I'm trying to justify this. It makes no sense. I didn't miss anything. No. no. <sighs> okay, Quinn. Um, <laughs> I can't with this whole Jake and Elise storyline. I did the so what, who cares, bam, a while back with that whole storyline, but it started to intrigue me a little more over the past couple of weeks, um, just because I want to see what's happening. And we knew from when Elise was in the the living room when they were in that hotel, and she all of a sudden was on the ground, and something <laughs> something wasn't right. Um, in this episode, though, we learn more about her, and then we find out that Elise is actually working with the people who are behind Lazarus Run to pretty much kill Rowan, and she tells Jake this. Um, in the midst of all this that's going on, with Jake and Elise. 
And I know that one person in particular is going to have a lot to say about this next part. Um, Liz finds out that one of the options in order to get out of testifying is to marry Fitz. And when she's contemplating this, she, she talks to Abby, you know, her homegirl. And she also calls Jake to let him know what she is thinking. Should she get married? And Jake's response was not what Liv wanted from her friend. First of all, when you have a side dude and the side dude still acts as if, you know, he knows that you have a, a real man and, and like a full-time dude. But in the back of his mind, he's still hopeful. He still wants to travel with you and go back to the island that you were in. And he wants to stand in the sun. When you are about to get married to your main dude, you call, hey, what's up? You good? Okay. Yeah, we get married. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Hang up the phone. She, but why? But what, what do you, please. But... But Jake, I, you're the person that I talk to. Come on, what do you gotta say? Like, girl, just get off of the phone. You cannot, you cannot call your side piece and have an in-depth conversation about why you're deciding to marry your man or what, why you may be on the fence. It's over. Like he said, talk to him. Now you have to go to him. That's your dude. Call him. Same goes for side for side chicks. Dudes, if you're watching and you got a side piece, once you settle down with with your main piece, just call your side chick or t- send her a text. Yo, we getting married. We getting married, and then get off of the phone. That really angered me, guys. I I am not even going to attempt to disagree with Camelia's assessment of the situation. However. I actually don't think that there's anything wrong with her asking because she has previously gotten away with it. She previously got away with whether or not she should out herself, that she in fact was the president's mistress. She has asked him before, you know, I don't know who I want to choose, so forth and so on. And he's like, well, you're in love with him. Like, they've actually had this conversation before. Arguably, they haven't had it regarding marriage, but they've had it regarding everything else in the same point that... Basically, their discussions were, Fitz is number one, and you're number two. I think it is Jake's job, similar to Melly, and I think this is why this episode was so poignant, it is their job to teach the people in their lives how to treat them and where the boundaries are, not the other way around. Let me point something out. You know how old people say, you're single until you're married? Why wouldn't he talk to her while she's technically single about about Fitz? Because technically, she's single, but the minute you decide to get married to somebody... You don't need to have an in-depth conversation with this dude. Yeah, he was there the whole time, but guess what? You a ball and chain now, boo-boo. You married? Cool. Bye. And move on. That whole, but I, but I want to know. But arguably, but no, no, no. But the difference is, but arguably, at that moment, she actually hasn't definitively said she's getting married. Yes, yes, she did say, oh, I want to tell you first. Do you know what I mean? I want to tell you first just so that you don't hear about it in the streets. But given the nature of the relationship, there was a hesitation there. There wasn't, it wasn't a statement. There was, not only was it not a statement with a period or a statement with an exclamation, it was a question. Her voice went up. So that means she's still kind of discussing it with her side man because maybe her side man has a chance. That didn't even work for me either. Like I tried, I tried to, to do the, the disagreement, but yeah. Don't call, the cinema but, I think, but this is, but this is, but you know what this is, and this is going to sound silly. The reason that I didn't have a problem with it is, there is an ease to Olivia's character, and it's not only an ease to her character, it's an ease to how Carrie Washington is playing her character. I feel like without her 
being consciously aware, I think she's kind of more aware of her entitlement. She's actually more aware of her privilege. So I think that it was you, Keneally, when we were watching, you're like, she's a spoiled brat. I think that's exactly what she is. And I think, and this is going to sound silly, the reason I didn't get mad is because that's actually organic to me. That makes sense. Similar, just fast forwarding, and we'll, and we'll go into it in more detail, but similar to the conversation in the hallway when Melly was like, oh my God, he's probably been clearing the way your whole life. That's the, that's the vantage point that she comes from. She comes from the vantage point where she in most situations, could get any man that she wants. She basically can get anything that she wants. She is she is Helen of Troy. She is the smartest, the most beautiful, the most intelligent, the most dynamic, the most sexy, the most everything that there is for someone to be. That's who she is. So why wouldn't she kind of walk from that presence that basically I can get everything I want? Because she actually has always gotten everything she wants. And the irony with the situation is... She previously arguably didn't have fits because she didn't want it, not because she couldn't have it. So I think that's normal. And I think that because of that, I think I feel like we're now seeing instead of this kind of silly, like, oh, my God, I'm scared. and I don't want anyone to think that I'm what I am. She's embracing it. Similar to how you articulated it last episode, I think she's really fully come into herself. She's fully come into what she's doing and that it may not fit into normal society but she's owning it and that's why then she calls him again see i i agree and he still picks up the phones i agree with you he did pick up the phone if the same thing were being done to her and she reacted smoothly and calmly because let's say because let's say if olivia if the if the tables were turned olivia being the spoiled person she is she will be in her feelings and she will feel some type of way if this were happening to her. So you you can be you can be arrogant and you can be spoiled and you can be like, what? This is what it is. But when it happens to you, you gotta shut your mouth. I don't want no breaking down. I don't want no tears. When Fitz slept with Amanda Tanner, she should have just sucked it up. Because guess what? No. That wasn't if, arrogance. Not if it not if it doesn't not if it gets her what she wants. No, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like at the end of the day, she is going to do whatever she needs to do for her own self survival. And that's actually, this is going to sound weird, that's what I'm seeing in this episode in a way that I didn't see season four. Don't get me wrong, season four was harrowing, and, and, and arguably she, in every type of encounter, made sure that she stayed alive in order for arguably someone to save her or for her to save herself. And even though that was an actual life or death situation, I think that this season we're actually seeing the real Olivia Pope. We're seeing the real fixer because I think she's... She's using every single angle, regardless of whether or not someone's feelings are hurt. And I think that even, and again, fast forward, that's why she had that conversation with Millie in the hallway. She could have never had that conversation in the hallway if not for previous seasons, number one, and if not for season four and her arguably kind of breaking that first level shell of naivete, being a prisoner. I think basically the way that she talked to Millie, there was no more shame. There was more like, yo, I'm, I'm literally going to tell you how the cards are going to play out. And when you think I'm doing it for you, that last statement was to prove to you that's exactly why I'm doing it. Because I hold all the cards. So don't you ever think that I don't. And that's why the end of the episode was so poignant. Because for the first time I was like, yes, Melly, you are a warrior too. Because she was like, oh, okay, cool. I literally see what your card has always been. Your card has always been your father. So now your card is now my card. Well, let us know what you think by going to iTunes, searching for the Scandal After Show. And if you're already listening to us on iTunes, go ahead and click five stars. Rate, comment, and subscribe. Also, 
<coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> also, please go to YouTube and click the like button, thumbs up. Thank you all to our live viewers, right? Yeah, some... probably our East Coasters because we're a little bit early this week. Spinkling down the wrong path there. <clears throat> but uh, yes, thank you so much. We are early this week. Yeah. But we mm-hmm. want to thank you guys so much for watching. Um, click that thumbs up button, leave a comment. We do read your comments. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. So let's go into. Melly and Fit. Oh, quickly, just to finish off the Jake and Elise storyline before I forget. So Jake goes to, um, Jake went to the train station because Elise said that she was going to meet him there after Jake's feelings got hurt and uh, Liv said that she was going to go through with the marriage. Jake goes to the train station to meet Elise there. And spoiler spoiler alert by Sophia, she's like, she's dead! (laughs) (laughs) She's dead! She's dead. <laughs> she's like, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> and she was dead. As soon as he touched her, she fell over. He saw the pool of blood. And Elise is no more. But <laughs> I wish I had that on camera. And she was like, she's dead. <laughs> but, um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Jake does now. Because Jake was ready to go away with somebody else again. In the sun. Yeah, stand in the sun with his new... Old. Boo-boo, you have, like, a cloud <laughs> over you. Like, you know, like, the little cartoon? No, you know the little cartoons where it'd be, like, like Eeyore? And it would be like, oh, nobody likes me. <laughs> Why is there no sun? Oh. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's... <laughs> oh my I can't. I can't. I cannot do that. I can't. I cannot. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I, I'm actually excited to see, you yes. know, what happens with him. Is he going to go back to the dark side now that... Fast forward, Rowan's back mm-hmm, out. Like, what's, mm-hmm. what's going to happen with Jake? That'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see. Um, let's go into Melly and Fitz. Mm-hmm. So Melly is hey. now pretty much she ruined herself in front of everybody um, by lying and being, making it clear that she was lying, um, which I still don't know how she was going to get away with that. After uh, this, uh, uh, what's uh, up? Uh, also, too, just to, and I'm going to make it really quick. And it's going back to our, our earlier statements. I'm going to agree with what Camelia said, but there's also a multitude of other things that she could have said. She could have said, so we're supposed to believe someone who was cheating with the president? Like, wait, you, wait, like wait, so wait, she, wait. so literally when she's reading the transcript, and it's basically, because again, it's not her words, it's mm-hmm. hearsay. It's someone else's words mm. who actually isn't actually in, in the committee. Do you know what I mean? They haven't been sworn in, they haven't been whatever. She's simply reading words off of a, of, off of a document. I would literally say, say, I never said this. I, do you know what I mean? Like, if you're, well, the minute you made that first lie, own that lie. Do you know what I mean? But like, I don't know what she's talking about. I think it's fine. It's hard to believe. And the irony of the situation that we are here talking about cheating and literally you're using a cheater to say that I'm a liar. No, she's a cheater. Do you mean like you don't even have to call her a liar? The inference is then made. Flip the script. She's not. She's not. No, but she's she's going to come. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's She's, definitely coming now. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, Mm -hmm. she wasn't she Mm -hmm. wasn't quite there. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw a defeated Melly for a little bit. And we have to before we even get to Mm -hmm. Melly and Fitz, we have to talk about the conversation she had with Liv. So she had this conversation with Liv because Liv realized after Quinn told her that there is another option, Liv realized that Rowan was her way out because she went to visit her father in the hospital. They had this conversation and he said, I can make this all go away for you legally. She then goes to Melly because you remember Melly can forge Fitz's signature. She's talking to her. She tells her, and I, I did not I expect. I despise you. Yes, I, I despise you. I didn't expect this conversation to be such an emotional scene, but their tit for tat back and forth, it turned into something that just 
was powerful. Mm-hmm. It was a really powerful scene. Mm-hmm. The reason that I knew that it would be powerful, and I could be wrong, but the last time we saw either one of them walking down the hallway in this manner was when Fitz was trying to decide if he was going to run again. And Fitz basically was going to divorce Melly. And remember when the three of them are in the bunker and they're having the conversation and basically Fitz is telling Melly not only is Olivia his mistress, but that he loves her and intends to marry her and basically lays out how it's going to work. Like, I'm going to wait two years, a respectable amount of time after we divorce. We're going to start dating. And then, so you know, quickly after that, we'll get married. If, in fact, you basically give us any pushback, we will basically release stories that you're racist. And that's why you are not supporting the union. There's a symmetry with that because that arguably is the first time that fits not publicly, but in a in with the trinity of the three of them, basically said, I love Olivia. Not that I'm sleeping with her or that I need her or so forth and so on, but that I love her and I intend to marry her. So to me, there had to be some semblance of symmetry with that hallway scene, and therefore there's no way that could happen if it's if not emotionally. Yeah. Like a bearing, like a true bearing of your soul. Because th- think about it, you're underground. So it, it's it's kind of like you're like like from your subconscious perspective, it's literally like the underbelly of your ego. Yeah, yeah. no, I um, the minute, well, from a perspective, think about it. You have the hearings going on. You have potential impeachment. You have the, the divorce. You have now Melly watching from the sidelines. You have the drama with her and Cyrus. Now he's not on her team anymore. The minute the person who you think is partially responsible for all of this or is at least a third responsible for all of this tells you to come meet you somewhere you're going to be like what do you want now Mm -hmm. girl what what we're already here what do you want you're already going to be a little on edge and to think that Melly wouldn't be or Olivia wouldn't be or anybody wouldn't be Especially after you just got done at a Senate, a Senate hearing, you're going to be annoyed. So you're going to be like, what? I think what was interesting, though, it, it's interesting seeing how, I don't want to say Olivia's off her game, but I just, I think what I love most about this scene is the way Olivia got called out and how Olivia's been getting called out recently in general because Olivia, even though she's heard some of these things before, it's like when you hear certain things about you, but then you hear it from somebody different Mm -hmm. and then it really hits you Mm -hmm. so when she was talking with her one when she was telling because it 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 was also like a shift of power in that conversation that was Mm -hmm. interesting to see so when she was telling melly no this isn't the worst this is just the beginning legally because we still have uh what she say defiance we still have this we still have that and she was naming all these different things and talking about how she can be dragged down and we can all go down if you don't go through with this when she said who is the person you need me to sign for a lease? And then all of our faces, oh. <laughs> but when she pulled out the picture, and she's like, oh, that's Damascus Bainbridge. Mm-hmm. And then Olivia's like, who? No. Yes, that's Damascus. I know exactly who that is. That's Eli, Eli Pope. And when they, oh, my God. When, when mm-hmm. she found out that that was Olivia's father, the quotes after, when she was saying that she needed him to be released, how sick are you? I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Your father wasn't my way out. He was yours. How many people has he hurt? Do you even know? And Olivia sat there for a second. She stood there. My father killed your son. Whoop her. I yelled out whoop her a gazillion times. And only reason I say this is because, to me, the way it was said to her, it kind of had that little eyebrow raise. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, you just read me. (laughs) Ha ha. Like one of those. Whoop her. 
I, whoop her. Email. Whoop her. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing, but I think can we just take a moment? And I think that we have all collectively been saying this since season one. Bellamy Young oh, yeah. is brilliant. As she was hyperventilating, I was hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally was like, and you're yelling whoop her. And I'm thinking, yes, <laughs> but I literally was doing the same thing. Like, I, I was like, I can't breathe because you could, you could feel her entire body. Like, it's almost that she wanted to throw up. She couldn't breathe. She, there is that fight, like, fight reflex. And so that's why she was trying to calm herself down because she's like, I do need to destroy this woman. But she actually was incapable of doing so. And I think that, that at that moment, the sacrifice that she had to make when she thought it was for country mm-hmm. and she thought it was for Fitz and it was for Olivia. There were so many, so many emotions. I can't even imagine going through her mind because as she's thinking about that, as she's thinking about, just imagine like in that scene, like connecting all the dots that she had not. Pre- God, oh, that was such a powerful scene. But to me, even though in the moment, Canelia, I agreed with you. I was like, no, you need to whoop her ass. Like that's beyond wrong. I am so here, and I'm going to say it now. I am so here for this Melly 2.0 because that moment, that was her deciding moment of whether or not she was going to be human and she was going to be normal or whether she was going to be a warrior. And if she had actually hit her, that's what a human being would have done. In that moment when she realized what she had lost and what she had already sacrificed, she was like, oh, I got this. I got this. And that's what she did. And she basically emerged from the ashes, like a not phoenix, only, exactly. Right. She could have emerged from that whooping. Oh my god, I can't. She could have emerged from that whooping. I understand with Charlie, with us. I understand. Yeah. I totally am on board. However, people want to whoop me just for saying I don't like all this. People be on Twitter really trying to comfort my head. And so now you tell somebody, yeah, he killed your son. Whoop her. No, I, I, I definitely, I definitely get it. But in this, in this moment. And it was kind of, it felt like, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. It was that moment where she was already, because right before that, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. Um, (laughs) I think in that moment, the interesting thing was, even though Liv had to have her, what she thought was her drop the mic moment. Oh, and he killed your son. Walk away. Do my my strut down the hallway so you can hyperventilate over there. All that good stuff. In that moment, it goes back to what you were saying, Sophia. She she did exactly what Melly needed to turn into a warrior, and then mm-hmm. that was the first step. So this is when that was when she died. That was when Melly one yes. died. But when Fitz and Melly were having that conversation, at the end of that, that's when the Phoenix rose from the fucking ashes. <laughs> I'm gonna be real right now because that yes. scene right yes. there, like watching them yes. go over to divorce oh papers, my God. and how and you know, guys, I love Olitz. Fitz, I'm a little on the fence sometimes. Um, in this scene, though, he was an asshole. Beyond. An asshole. Yeah. And There's nothing were... left for you to take? There's nothing Ooh! left for you to take? Oh, I was so heated. She goes, what did you say? Nothing. Bye, Melly. Wait, 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 wait. wait what, did, what did you say? See, I would be like, my dude, I take the drawers off. You're right. I will take <laughs> everything. Yeah. I will take everything. See, I can't. Yeah. No, this, no, 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 but she's right. She's right. Because the, no. Get me heated. No, because she's right. Because let's think about it, right? You're getting divorced after 20 years of marriage. 
And it's literally so simple that there are no attorneys. You're just sitting there in in your, in a room in the White House, and you. She probably had what twenty pages looking it over. They're splitting everything fifty fifty. She she gets to keep the Santa Barbara house. You know, basically they're doing joint custody with the exception of the little one. That is the cleanest divorce possible. How effing dare you, Fitz? How dare you put one more nail in the coffin when again? And I don't care if she was. Um, agreed with the relationship. I don't care any of that. No divorce goes this smooth. Mm-hmm. Just zip it up and let her walk out. And when she leaves, talk to yourself and be like, that bitch. You... Why do you have to have the last because word? Because he had to. And that literally, I think, was when she realized, oh my God, he never respected me. He never respected me. He never valued me. He literally will continue to take. And the only reason he's doing this is because it's in his self-interest. He's not doing this to be cordial or to be fair again knowing knowing that she got his her son killed and in this instance it's melly's son it's not fitz's son it's melly's son you did that knowing and even when she said oh yeah i want to make sure like when i visit on saturday you're not there dude did you feel she was poking you i was like oh she knows you need to know that she knows Mm -hmm. because she keeps bringing up jerry Mm -hmm. but you you couldn't let her go without having to basically be like, but it's you. No, the reason why the phoenix rose from the ashes is because she saw not only that he was an asshole, she saw that he had his own self-interest and never respected her, never had her in mind at all. But also, there were the similarities between him and Olivia right there in that moment. Because they yes. both could not go. With, like They had to have the last word. Mm-hmm. And right there... Is when she said, okay, I'll show both of you. Because by doing exactly what she did, it gave her this newfound confidence. And this, by him being an asshole, by Olivia mm-hmm. not being the bigger woman and just accepting that she probably might have to testify, all different things, it just gave Melly the momentum. It's like when you are in your lowest point in life. And mm-hmm. in, it, she, made, she made it clear she was talking to Liv. She lost her house. Mm-hmm. She lost her husband. She lost her job. She lost her child. Yeah. He's dead. Like everything. And then when she was talking to Fitz and said, it's all, lead, all roads lead to Fitz. Remember yeah, that episode? Yeah, yeah. All roads lead to fit. Yeah. I was so upset, y'all. I was so upset. I wanted a wedding this episode. I'm not going to lie. I was not trying to be heated. I was like, oh, I'm so happy they're married. I was ready to cry. <sighs> See, and it's funny, and I think I said this on Twitter when I saw the title. Because, you know, like, I love, like, the wordplay that Shauna Land mm-hmm. does. So the minute that, that we realized that the title of the episode was Get Out of, um, Get Out of Jail Free, I was like, jail is marriage. Yep. Because, again, and I think it goes back to uh, last episode, I think that when Cornelia so pointly broke it down, but it really has to do with the fact that Olivia thinks of herself as a new age woman. So even kind of ironically, similar to Susan Ross, who that's like literally marrying the president or marrying the quote unquote prince was never her dream. For Susan Ross, being the president of the United States of America was never her dream. So I think that I lost my train of thought. Well, this is my question, though. If, That's why I'm not supposed to drink. And we'll get to this <laughs> when we talk about Fitz and Olivia. You know what? I'll save it. No, we can go there now. That was next. Okay, so if if Olivia didn't want this to lead to marriage or if she didn't want it to end up like this, then what did she want? Just to hang out forever? Like, what do well, you okay, want? Okay. Because when he came with came at you with Vermont and you were aiming towards Vermont, but, but what but, do you want? But I think but the difference is Vermont is different than the White House. It's it is, not, but you here now, boo-boo. Okay, this, this is going to sound really funny because I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. 
there is a part of me that is that traditional old school you get married like you're married for life you you it's you know two people becoming one and whatever bumps and and whatever you do right and kind of more what i consider to be a traditional construct of a relationship so that's 50 percent of me there's another 50 percent of me that Especially if you look at a lot of marriages versus people who are not married but have been together for long periods of time, there often is a difference, right? And people normally, when they talk about marriage, they talk about it negatively, like my ball and chain, like, oh my God, the wife gets on my nerves. Oh my God, my husband never notices when I when I do something different. Like, it's, it's usually the, the mantra or the broken record is always negative. However, when you're dating and your boyfriend and girlfriend, there's this newness, there's an excitement. And ironically, the reason you're staying together is purely selfish. It's purely because you make me feel better and you make me feel better, right? Not because this piece of paper dictates that we are bound together legally and before God. For life. I think there's an aspect of that construct she doesn't believe in. And why does she not believe in it? Because she's dating a married man. So that in of itself shows that there's an aspect of traditional marriage that doesn't work. Because here his wife is complicit in the affair in order to, quote unquote, save the artificial construct. So I think that what she wants is she wants the love. But she doesn't necessarily want then this thing called marriage to go... Yeah. And then for her to possibly become Melly or all of the other women who sacrifice for the men because when you're a wife, not only do you give up who you are, you also normally, again, give up your name. That's why in the bedroom she said, I'm keeping my name. That, even though it sounds like a throwaway line, is extremely important because what she's saying is I'm keeping my identity. I'm no longer becoming Mrs. Fill-in-the-blank. See, to me, what you described as, it sounds like Vermont. Marriage, the the whole Vermont pitch, the house, and the the, I'm going to make jam, that sounded just like everything you just said. So what's the difference? I know the White House is different, and now you have the potential to be this ornament. You're tied to the White House, and now every time somebody sees you, they automatically think about your husband, who's the president, so you kind of take the back seat. But Vermont didn't really seem like a flexible, a flexible plan, a flexible plan. When have we ever thought Olivia was going to be content with making jam? But she even said it, though. And that's why she said, don't get rid of the house. But she has, she's clearly articulated, but I'm not going to make jam. So, again, and I think that's a power struggle. Like, Olivia likes to be in control. So what she's saying is, you got part of it right, but another part of it is, I can't do jam. So she was still thinking in that in-between. That's the first part. The second part is, I think that sadly, when she was kidnapped, she also realized that Vermont was not possible. And so what I'm realizing about her is, again, I really think it comes down to fear. It's not that she doesn't want it, because even the minute he said, oh, I got a ring, I can't wait to watch it back. She literally went, (gasps) like, there was that excitement for that split second, and then basically what she did is, actually, let me rephrase it. What she did is, she exhaled, and then she inhaled it back. She wouldn't allow herself, because there is a certain aspect of that fairy tale that is literally, you have to allow yourself to fall. So it's not that she doesn't want any of these things. I really think it's that she's so afraid of them. And it's going to sound effed up. It was never in her original game plan. It was never in her original game plan. In her original game plan, she would have married Puddin' Pop or someone like Puddin' Pop. Mm-hmm. And they would have had what I consider to be that artificial construct, which works for some people, but there wouldn't have really been excitement. It would have just been like, oh, we're good transactional partners in this thing that we call a marriage. I think it all comes down to fear. I would agree with that. And just quickly for the Olitz lovers out there, let's just dissect the scene that happened and ended sadly. Um, so 
she's walking. She sees the rose petals. She sees the candles. We have Aretha Franklin painted in the background. And then Fitz is there looking. God, I just want it so bad. Fitz is there looking so nice, so handsome. I had to turn around. I couldn't handle it. Like, I, I literally was unable to handle it. It was like, it was overwhelming. I had to turn my chair and put my back to the screen. But even me, I feel, Olivia, there were so many different factors where... If you look at the circumstances, uh, one, it, it was the fact that if you're going to divorce your wife, and then we're going to get married immediately. So for the rest of time, it's going to be he proposed right after in the midst of a scandal because he was going to get impeached. That's always going to be in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. And even though he loves me, there's going to be this. I was forced into it. And there's going to be, which is one of the reasons why she called Jake. I was forced into it. So why would I? Why would I even consider mm-hmm. this? Yeah. Like, it was, there were just so many things going through her mind that moment. Um, I get what you guys are saying regarding Vermont versus the White House, regarding marriage in general, and how this fit into Olivia's plan or did not. Um, I think regarding regarding Olivia and with Fitz's question, what do you want? What exactly do you want, Olivia? Um, I say... It almost goes back to what I said a couple of weeks ago with the fantasy thing. In a way, mm. this whole thing, if you just think about their relationship, I don't actually think she ever thought this would happen. Like, just yeah, yeah. just imagine, like, if, if, if I was in that situation and I was dating the president of the United States, yes, we have this good thing going on. Nowhere in my mind, even after we have these conversations, nowhere in my mind would I think there would actually come a day where my, my boyfriend would leave his wife, mm-hmm. divorce her while he's still the president of the United mm-hmm. States. He's possibly going to get impeached, but he's still brings me out, goes on a date with me in public. We have this whole scandal that's being played on the TV, but he's still going to divorce his wife and then marry me. I think it's too much. For, and then when we fast forward to the end of the episode, when she's in the White House, in the Oval Office, and they're about to get ready, and she looked gorgeous. Even though she wasn't wearing a wedding dress, she looked gorgeous. Like, that dress. I, I, like, and, I, and I feel like I feel like we almost have to take a break, and then we have to dissect that 100%. <sighs> Let me ask something. Say what you just said, that you think it was just, you didn't think she thought about it, or it was just overwhelming. Is that is. You didn't think she thought that all of this would yeah, happen. This, this is my question, though, because when you're with anybody and it's really serious, and you are that you feel like the person is the love of your life, you think about marriage. You, I don't know one person. No, who's, no, 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 no. I don't know one person who I have ever met who yeah. felt like they met the love of their life, and eventually they started saying, "You know what? I think we're gonna settle down, and I think this is the one we're gonna be together." So I, I don't, I'm not on board with this whole idea that Olivia never thought. I think she's just scared that it's actually happening, and she's gonna have to make a decision about it. I think That's what both. I think. I, think I don't both. think she never thought about it because there ain't no way. There, after he built you a house and did all of this stuff for you, that you in the back of your mind think, "What if we possibly could get married?" That's why she's so damn no, scared. Because, because what if? Then you, what are you going to do? No, because I think there's I think there's no part of her that ever thought that she couldn't be the Olivia Pope. So if she's to remain the Olivia Pope, that actually could never happen. But no, but while you're thinking about that, you're like, it can't happen, and you think about marriage. You're thinking about it. You you can't think about losing no, Olivia Pope and if you is, don't think about this is, potentially marrying this, is this gonna man. Sound, this is going to sound so silly, and I can't believe I'm admitting this. I think that there are different. I think there are different. <laughs> sorry, I think there are different types of hopeless romantics, Why and I think, it? and I think that it does come down to like 
the fantasy romance versus like I'm going to be corny like the Adele romances. Hello. Do you know what I mean? No, but really. And I think that's the difference. I think that there is like a pain and suffering that certain people feel when they really love each other. So I really think that she always thought that yes, they were soulmates, but they were star-crossed lovers. That in this universe, in this plane, it could never be. And not only could it never be, again, it's this fear that if someone literally is more important to you than like an organ... That if you lose it, like, what if you F up? Like, when we had the whole, the episode, The Other Woman, part of that, in fact, that you'll never have arguing about the dishes and so forth and so on, so on, part of it is, because what if we can't survive that? What if all we are are these two stars that can never met? can never meet that every seven years or however many years we touch and we go we touch and we go and we touch and we go what if we actually are together and what if we actually do get married and it doesn't work I'm telling you but Olivia B Olivia B she had to think about you think about it but you don't allow yourself you pull it back because literally the control mechanism in you cannot allow you to go that down that road if it possibly can never happen it's literally like you say it doesn't exist like you know those people who are like Every day is a good day, and it's literally like my dog died. Every day is a good day. Your mom died. Every day is a good day. I'm fine. You lose your dog. Every day is a good day. That's kind of what Olivia did. Olivia just told herself, this is how it always needs to be. This is always how it needs to be, because that's the only way she was able to survive and to actually get through every day not being with him. Because she never fathomed that on public television, she would say, I am the president's mistress. She never thought it. Agree to disagree. (laughs) <laughs> I, I will drink to that. Angry, right. I will I'm drink so to that. I'm so angry today. I'm sorry, listeners, for being angry and grouchy. It is what it is. Uh, but on another note, be sure to check out our affiliate network, Black Hollywood Live, for all things in African American entertainment news. It the roster includes 12 shows focusing on sports, fashion, entertainment, comedy, politics, legal issues, music, and technology. Check out BlackHollywoodLive.com, or you can catch the shows on YouTube and iTunes. They also stream live. Make sure to check the schedule at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Some of the guests they've had, Jamie Foxx, Taraji P. Henson, and Nick Cannon. So be sure to follow Black Hollywood Live at Black Hollywood Live on all social media. Let's go back to Olivia looking beautiful. I think we were about to break down how beautiful she looked in the Oval. She just looked gorgeous. Like the, the, she was glowing. She was beautiful. It was. I think what I loved about that scene once again was it, it was this beautiful symmetry where she looked beautiful, but she was also dealing with everything that was mm-hmm. going on around her. And they had like the muffled noise of Abby talking to the president and briefing him and his lawyer. And then she had uh, the guy in front of her who was asking her about the, the secret staff, service, yeah. and he was asking about changing her cell phone, tapping a private phone. You'll never and, open a door again. Yeah, it was just overwhelming for her to deal mm-hmm. with. And that that I think right there that's not what she that's mm-hmm. not the marriage that she wants with Fitz mm-hmm. so not she doesn't necessarily it's transactional yeah she doesn't re- necessarily want the, the Vermont jam thing however this marriage that she'll be entering in with Fitz even if it's only for what two more years two and a half more mm-hmm. years that's not the marriage that you would see with Fitz and Liv because not only would she be giving up herself like even just Liv giving up her phone mm-hmm. like that I can't if you say you're gonna even though if you have all the contacts if you tell me you're gonna give me a new secure line I don't want it I want mm-hmm. my phone mm-hmm. my phone mm-hmm. that nobody can touch that's what mm-hmm. I want so even that it's just something about giving up herself but when she got that call from Melly in the Oval she goes down and meets with Melly and Melly Oh, and then the jur- the jurors get all these documents that have the picture. That was hilarious. But then Melly comes with Rowan and with Tom and pretty much says, I got you now. 
<laughs> Drop the mic. Olivia showed her hand. Like Sophia said when we were watching, Olivia gave her the goods. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, here are the goods. Yay. Mm-hmm. No. And now Melly has the goods. I can't wait to see where this goes. Like, there's something about this season where even though I didn't get what I wanted or thought I wanted and I probably didn't want, I'm still satisfied. Like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I like the way that this season's progressing, the way it's going. Something's happening in that writer's room that's on point with everything up here, and I'm just jiving with it, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving yeah. it. So, um, oh, I agree. I agree. Let's go into Cornelia's cold piece of the week. Cold piece of the week for Scandal, episode six of season five, goes to Melly Letitia Grant again. Letitia, I can't. Melly Quintasha Grant. <laughs> Melly Quajavanasha Grant for reading fits in his little dining room area in the White House. Mainly because she got fits to do that whole aloof look that he has that I can't stand. I wanted her to whoop him like I wanted her to look whoop Olivia Pope, but she contained herself. And now, like Emil said, the phoenix has risen from the ashes and she is reborn again. That's who my cold piece is. Cold piece at of the week goes to all of you who are listening and have tuned in to Happy Hour, a shot of conversation. We thank you so much for supporting our podcast. If you don't know about it, you better get to know about it. Go to iTunes, type in Happy Hour, a shot of conversation. Like, subscribe, rate five stars. Yes, yes. And tell a friend. Mm -hmm. Yes, Cheers. Cheers. Um, All right, guys, let's go into predictions. Your After Buzz TV predictions. I predict that I won't be angry next week. I apologize. I got a little heated. <laughs> it's the wine. That's why I don't drink. In our mugs. In our mugs. Um, I don't really have... I don't have a prediction. I, I predict that Fitz is going to be in his feelings because when... Um, What's her name? Abby set the ring down. He looked a little butt hurt. So I predict that he's going to be a little in his feelings, but not so much. And everything is just going to be continue to be scandal. I'm just going to enjoy the show. I, I have to. I have to second that. I'm just. I'm just with you, Emil. I'm really enjoying the direction of the show. I love this scandal 2.0, and I'm actually just sitting back and, and waiting for the next episode. Um, I predict that. If I'm not here next week, Rowan kidnapped me. Oh my God. <laughs> why, why, why would you even joke about something like that? Like, why? I mean, or why? I may be in training for my new job. <laughs> so if I'm not here That's next true. week, I'm training. Oh um, my God. Yeah, I, I'm enjoying the ride. I predict it's going to be a great episode. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 been great so far. Um, it's going to get bad with Rowan, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to see it. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like the same B613 ter- B6 type vibe, and I was afraid they were going to go in that direction. It feels like it's going to be something mm-hmm. completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm liking I think I'm really going to enjoy where this is heading. So um, where can we find you guys on social media? Well, if you guys are still a little hungover after listening to Scandal After Buzz, make sure, again, that you go to iTunes and you check out our podcast, Happy Hour, A Shot of Conversation, on iTunes. Or if you need to find out more information, you can follow us on Twitter, and Instagram at happy hour underscore TV. And as always, I'm your gladiator Sophia Stanley on Twitter at Sophia Stanley on Instagram at the Sophia Stanley. Bye. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Canelia. And you can find me at Emil Ennis Jr. on all social media, Chasing LA on YouTube, and once again, Happy Hour on iTunes. We thank you guys so much for listening each and every week and for watching. And for those who got to watch us earlier on the East Coast, we really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed it. We will be here same time. Well, maybe not the same time, but same (laughs) place next week. And we really, really hope that you're enjoying Scandal Season 5. See you next time, guys.
from executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.